Hello, we're live tonight with School Psych Podcast. Very interesting episode. We've got a whole bunch of people at the bottom of the screen, if you notice. So we've recruited um, a whole bunch of graduate students. So we're going to be picking their brains a little bit and figuring out what they're learning in graduate school um, and how they're feeling, and, you know, as they're kind of venturing into the field. So um, my name is Rachel. I'm a school psychologist, and right now I'm working in the state of uh, Maryland. Rebecca. Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm working in the state of Connecticut. I want to tell you guys how to participate. We really hope to get your feedback as well. So as we're asking our graduate students questions, please think back to your uh, graduate school experience and answer right along with them. You can post your answers in comments under uh, the last post in on the Facebook pages, School Psyched, Your School Psychologist, or the School Psyched podcast page or on Twitter using the hashtag PsychedPodcast. I will be searching all of those sites for your questions and comments, thoughts, and ideas. And here's Anna. Hi, guys. I'm Anna. I'm a school psych working in New York State. Um, we had a little poll. Uh, there are some glitches with the actual poll, so we had a little bit of a commenting poll on our Facebook page this time around, and we wanted to know what school psychs out there felt most and least prepared for when they were finishing their second year about to go off to internship, you know, what the coursework prepared them for best and worst in grad school. And overall, we had the most responses for people feeling most prepared for the psychometric evaluations and testing, A, as well as B, feeling most prepared for counseling and mental health supports. We also had a good deal of people who felt pretty prepared for academic intervention and other supports, F. And then um, people felt least prepared, I think, overall for um, administrative and organizational like leadership roles and just dealing with like the politics and dynamics of working in a school, which is challenging for some people. <laughs> and that's about it. Rachel? All right. Um, so tonight we're going to be a little bit more structured than we normally are. Normally we kind of have a conversation that tends to flow a little bit with so many people in the hangout. Um, we're kind of going to go down the line. We've got a couple questions for everybody, and we're just going to have all of our graduate students go down the line and kind of share their thoughts on a particular question. Uh, if anybody watching has additional questions for them, of course, participate through the Facebook page and through Twitter, as uh, Rebecca told us. Um, and if you have questions for a particular person, you know, based on whatever they um, you know, share some follow-up questions, that would be great, too. So we're looking forward to it. Um, but to start us all off, um, I'd like to just ask each of you to give us a little bit um, about yourself and, and uh, you know, about your program and your cohort and, and how things are going. So um, my friend Ripley here is going to start us off. Ripley? Yes, hi. Uh, my name is Ripley, and I'm in Portland, Oregon. Uh, the program that I'm currently in is uh, not NASP certified, and uh, the number in my cohort is um, was seven is now uh, six because one of them is uh, just learned she's going to be expecting so you know great news for her but went down a little bit um, let me see what else so we're in uh, definitely an urban uh, area here and I'm trying to think of what else oh I'm going for an educational specialist degree here Okay, very cool. The um, the expecting thing that tends to be because our field <laughs> tends to be pretty young. It seems even you know out there um, after graduate school, um, we tend to have a lot of maternity leaves and things in in our line of work. So <laughs> it's not um, not too surprising. All right, very exciting. Okay, next up is going to be Allie. All right, hi, uh, my name is Allie, and I am from. Um, the University of Missouri at Columbia. Um, so we have, um, right now, our, our program is not currently NASP approved. I know we're moving towards that. Um, we have about seven people in our program. There are people who come in at different times in their um, career, so it's a little bit of a nebulous number. Um, but I believe we would have seven. Um, I'm going for my... Um, MA as well as my Ed Specialist degree. Um, and then for practicum, um, our program is unique in that we have a first year practicum um, and it was really cool. It was basically just in the classroom getting to know, um, getting the feel of being in schools and working with a teacher. Um, and then our second year we are um, now there a full day a week and working side by side with the school psychologist. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Next up is Aliska. Hi. I'm Aliska, and um, I attend Western Carolina University, which is near Asheville in North Carolina, so that Western North Carolina region. 
Um, we are NASP approved, and uh, my cohort size right now is three, so it's pretty small. We started off with five, and two people realized that school psychology wasn't for them. Uh, but our first year cohort is seven, um, so we're looking to increase our cohort number since the need for school psychs is really increasing. Um, we are a program where we get our SSPs, our specialists in school psychology. We don't get our master's at the same time, but the education level that we get is the equivalent of getting a master's as well. Um, so that generally doesn't pose a concern. Um, we do practicum our second year, uh, where we have it split into two, uh, where we do one practicum, um, the fall practicum or the spring. We can choose which one we want to do. We do it in the school. And uh, mine was kind of a rural-urban mix, but we kind of get a choice of where we want to go. Um, and then our second practicum semester will be in our clinic, because we have an on-campus clinic where we work with charter schools in our area. And um, so we get a little bit more of a clinical practice there as well. Um, and we go to practicum two times a week is what we're required. However, we also have Fridays that we have available to complete our practicum as well. All right. Yeah, everyone's busy, busy for sure. <laughs> Okay, um, next up we've got uh, Valerie. Hi, yes. I am currently attending the Chicago School of Professional Psychology in Chicago. Um, there are actually uh, locations outside of Chicago, but I am in the flagship school. It is NASP certified. I am a part of the third year blended cohort. So my School has two different options for how you want to complete your school psych degree. We get, I'm working on an EDS. The school has an EDD program, but is currently phasing it out in favor of a PsyD. But for the EDS program, you can either go full time and complete your degree in three years, like most people, or you can take four years, which is what I chose to do, and um, your first year is split. Your first year's work would be split into two years. So I am the equivalent of a second year, but I'm in my third year of schooling. I am completing my practicum at a school for students with emotional and behavioral disorders. It's a K-12 school, and it's a part of a special ed co-op. All right. It, it's interesting to hear um, just how many degree options there are out there for for us as a field. Because um, I mean, I myself, I have a master's and an advanced certificate. Um, Anna, I want to say you have a CAS or something. All these all these letters. <laughs> Is that right? right? Um, no, I don't, I don't have that. No, I just have a master's. Yeah. Okay. I know there was. Somebody, I don't know, maybe I'm confusing myself, but <laughs> I thought um, maybe it was when I was looking around at programs. There were some that had a certificate of an advanced, of advanced study and then some that had advanced certificate. And No, my program had it. You just had to do a thesis project to get it. <laughs> it was like an extra work option, but like no extra reward. Wow. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now Krista. Chris, yeah. Did we talk to Krista? Sorry. Nope. Not yet. Hi, I'm Krista. I go to school at the University of Denver here in Denver. I'm in a doctoral PhD program here at DU. Um, we are NASP approved. We have an EDS, a master's, and a PhD program. There were three students in my cohort when I came in. And for my practicum, I did my first year practicum with a nonprofit, and then my second year practicum was in a large suburban school district. Okay. All right, and then we've got um, a couple of questions for everybody. Um, so I think Rebecca, you were going to start us off with some of our. Yeah, I'm. I I think it's so interesting too the different degree programs and and options um, that are out there. I, I'm wondering within your different programs, um, what is the focus? What is the testing, the assessment focus that you're learning? Are you are you um, focusing on certain types of assessments, certain 
kinds? Do you have a, a broad range? And how do you practice? Do you have do you practice with each other like we did in, in my program? We um, IQ tested these ourselves out the wazoo for <laughs> a couple of semesters. Do you do that, or do you actually get volunteers? How does it work? And maybe we'll go back to Ripley to start us off. Well, we do the uh, academic uh, cognitive, and then next semester I'm doing the behavioral and personality. Mm -hmm. we, um, we were encouraged to work with children, but I uh, had moved five times during the, the semester, basically. So I had to just uh, pay a family friend who was a 14-year-old girl. I gave her 20 bucks. I'm like, go ahead and give me an hour of your time so yeah. I can test you. So that was pretty hard. That's great. And do, you, and do you also learn now the online versions of different assessment batteries? No, we haven't gotten to that yet. Okay. I forget who is second in order. How about anybody else? Um, Allie. Allie. Yeah. Allie, go ahead. Um, so we have three separate classes for assessments. Um, we have our behavioral, which also has included our, the social-emotional um, we had the cognitive, so IQ, and then we also had the academic assessments. Um, and so within each class, we learned um, fully specific assessments, mm -hmm. um, but then we also were told about other assessments that we could learn, and um, the focus was really on, you know, how do you understand when you pick up a new manual, um, because whatever school district you go to, it's going to be different whatever their preferences are. So how do you sort of pick up that manual and navigate through it and understand it and the, the basics of that? Yeah. Um, we were able to practice with um, kids. And so um, Columbia is a really big university um, town. And there's a lot of our professors had family friends that um, we got to work with. And just there's a lot of kids around. So um, we were able to, to practice with them and then do our write-ups and video recordings and all that fun stuff. Um, oh, and then the uh, we also do a lot of benchmarking for our schools. Um, so we that's the only thing that we've learned on the um, iPad, so the electronic version for benchmarking. Oh. Very cool. How about who is next? I'm sorry. I believe it was me. <laughs> so we have since we have a clinic on campus, we have a ton of assessments that are handy. Um, first semester, we have assessment one class where we learn the Woodcock-Johnson's, the Wexler, um, all the cognitive ones for the Wexler and the Woodcock-Johnson, as well as the Woodcock-Johnson achievement, um, and then a rating scale called the ACEBA. Um, and those we practice on real students. We have to do about 10 uh, cases throughout the semester where we just practice the assessments, so it's with volunteers. And then second semester, we do the second assessment course. Um, which we actually separate out from clinical students. The first class you take with the clinical students as well. Um, second semester, we learn every other assessment that we pretty much have on campus. So we have about 27 social, emotional, and behavioral rating scales and things up that alley. And then um, we had about 36 academic, cognitive, and executive functioning assessments that we learned. Um, and now I believe in my second year, I'm higher than that with the amount that I've learned. Um, in that second semester, we do get a charter school case. Um, my semester, since we only had four of us, we actually had one and a half cases where we split one with a cohort member. Um, but now our students all do one um, from start to finish with observations, um, interviews, everything like that. And then uh, second year in practicum, we have to do six cases in the clinic, and we have to do four cases in uh, the school, including other stuff as well. Um, so we get a wide range of um, assessments that we have at our fingertips. We practice with each other before we actually assess with kids, obviously, to really get a grasp of yeah. what they're about. That's awesome. And Aliska, we, we got a comment from our friend Renee out there who um, mentioned that w, WCU was her graduate program 31 years ago. So oh, awesome. I'm sure she's interested to hear your perspective on it now. And, and Renee, if you're, if you're still out there listening, um, comment and, and let us know if, you, if it, it seems the same to you, if it's, it's sounding familiar. Um, that's very cool. 
Yeah. And that, that's amazing um, how many measures you guys are learning. Like, I feel like I didn't learn nearly um, that amount. So that's really cool. <laughs> well, it, it's a lot, and it's very overwhelming. Um, but the clinic is pretty much always open. Um, we have a clinic coordinator um, that are co uh, we have one member in each cohort that's a clinic coordinator. Um, mm -hmm. So they have the keys to the clinic. So whenever we ever want to learn one of the assessments, even after hours, we can just go in and practice it in our testing rooms and we get our hands on the materials, which is really cool. Very cool and very helpful. And hopefully you'll have uh, continue to have access during internship and and yeah. even beyond because it's always helpful to. Um, have the manual and, and practice it with it on your off time. Exactly. How about Valerie? What's your uh, experience like with assessments? So we took psychoed and psychoed two, and then social emotional. And psychoed was the first one was just your IQ tests. We learned the WISC and the Wyatt. Um, and then the second semester, we learned the academics. So we learned the, um, sorry, we learned the WISC and the K, the Keta, and then the Kaufman and Weschler academic tests. We also actually, I forgot to mention it, we took a infant to preschool assessment course, and we were exposed to the six major infant to preschool assessments and then had to administer one of them and it was a nightmare and I will <laughs> we have we are required to find our own children so at the beginning of the course they tell you you have to find seven kids <laughs> and we have to go out into the world and find these seven children and it's a nightmare um, and I had to find a toddler. So imagine giving a three-hour-long test to a three-year-old. Right. When you're not, when you're not so uh, quick, swift with it, it's tough. And your experience sounds exactly like mine. <laughs> and then we learned, we took social emotional. So that was all of your personality assessments, the Basque. Um, when I was learning in school, we did not have access to the iPad or the electronic assessments, but at my practicum site, we are 100% iPad, so I now have done the WISC and the Wyatt twice on the iPad. Great. I have a, a quick question. This is going to be a thumbs up, um, a thumbs down for you guys, and we'll keep an eye out on the on the bottom there. Um, who, who has to find their own children? Are, yeah, so who will do thumbs up, you, you're finding your own children, and thumbs down, they're given to you, I guess. Okay, we got like an in-between. Most, most of us, okay, are finding our own children. Um, Allie, want to tell us what that in-between means? <laughs> yeah, so um, we were asked to find our own kids to practice with um, for the assessments, but um, our professors were very open to, if you can't, just let us know like a week ahead of time before the assignments due, and we, they had a list of people that um, had typically done it, and then they had a list of like the assessments that we were able to give certain kids because um, we didn't want to sort of mess up any of their um, schooling and give them all of the different assessments, so there wasn't an option for them later if they needed to be you know, to take an IQ test um, at their school. Um, so it's really organized, and they were very helpful in, in helping us find kids. Okay. And then one more quick question, just because I can't tell myself. Um, thumbs up, thumbs down. Who is has iPads and is doing the online assessments, and who has not been exposed to that yet? Okay. We got a mixture. Okay. Okay. So most of you, most of you um, are, are doing the online stuff, so that's pretty cool. All right. Okay. I think we have left Krista to um, hear from about her, your experience with assessments. Uh, did we lose her? No, there she is. I'm looking at all these people. Hi, am I here? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. Um, for assessments, I actually took four quarters worth of assessment. Um, we took preschool assessment, cognitive assessment, academic achievement, and then social emotional assessment. And we're required for every class, every assessment, to find our own student. And they're 
the requirements are they have to be within a normal range. So not only do we have to find a student, but they want us to find a student that's normally developing. Um, so that was pretty difficult, um, considering the amount of assessments that we do learn. We learn everything from the WIP seed to the WISC to the WACE. And then also we learn a lot about the KBC as well, because in the Denver Metro, the KBC is used quite frequently. Um, and then for social emotional, we learn um, anything and everything. And then we use the iPads a lot in our districts. So I got the iPad and the internet experience from my district and my practicum experience. So going to a training on how to do it and then seeing it done in person as well at my practicum. Okay. Interesting. I, I have a quick follow-up question for all of you guys, maybe a thumbs up, thumbs down. Are you guys learning any social skills assessments or checklists? Thumbs up if yes, thumbs down if no. Interesting. Now, I think that was completely missing, or maybe I just forgot <laughs> from my program, but something that I really think about a lot currently in my, in my job. So I'm glad, glad to hear you guys are talking about that in school. I, I love to hear about it, too. And, like, with my program, we had, like, all these kits, right? But we kind of got to pick and choose which ones we actually gave. Like, WISC was required, and we had to be videotaped giving it and had to be perfect. But, like, the other ones, you know, like, I never gave the Stanford Binet, for example. So it's just so interesting to hear different experiences from you guys. Thanks. That's awesome. I'm going to roll on to the next question. Um, we want to hear about you guys from what your programs teach you about learning disabilities and assessing for learning disabilities, if there's a certain um, type of test or, you know, CB, I'm sorry, cross-battery assessment or anything that you've um, been exposed to for learning disabilities and dyslexia, if dyslexia specifically has been mentioned in your program. We'll start with Allie. Do you mind sharing? Sure. Um, so for, um, we've just looked at um, specific learning disabilities and um, we go through the entire sort of manual of, of options that we can qualify students for. Um, but for SLD, we basically um, look at achievement tests um, as well as an IQ test. Um, and so in our practicum is when we have the most experience just going out and, and working on actual cases and talking through the different scenarios with um, my supervisor and um, like which would be the best, like should we give a nonverbal IQ or what um, achievement test would be the best for the student. Um, and yeah, Is that, am I missing any part of that question? I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, Hannah, you're muted. I'm sorry. Aliska, could you tell us a little bit about your learning disability assessment process? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we do the same as Allie where we kind of look at the cognitive as well as an achievement so we um, we get taught to do both the cognitive and the achievement first and in my practicum in the school they still use the discrepancy model um, and that's kind of what we still use in this area um, so we look there at a discrepancy but we don't stop there we um, look specifically at maybe where the discrepancies are whether they are a strength or a weakness and then uh, we might assess further with specific um, tests to kind of look at specifically what is going on and what the causes of the concern and then kind of base our recommendations off of that. Um, and actually, a couple weeks ago, me and uh, another girl in my cohort, we actually did a SLD seminar for our first year clinical and school psych students to kind of teach them about what we have in our clinic um, so that they are aware of what is possible and what we can do. Um, so, yeah. Very neat. Thanks. Valerie, um, what about you? Uh, okay, I'm not muted. Uh, let's see. We actually, in Illinois, we are mandated to do the RTI process, so we don't have specific LD tests. I was not trained on anything. We since we're following the problem-solving model, we review um, curriculum-based assessments and we review uh, other sorts of information that we're collecting as a part of our school, um, school process anyway. And then we qualify people based upon that. Um, in terms of dyslexia, we have not studied dyslexia at all. And 
So we actually don't do a whole lot of specific LD tests, and most of the schools around here actually aren't doing um, a whole lot of cognitive or academic assessments in general. We're using curriculum-based assessments to make a lot of our decisions, and in the and then interventions. That's awesome. That'll make Dr. Matt Burns really happy, right, Allie? <laughs> okay, uh, Krista. Hi. Hey. Um, I actually have a different perspective. So I was a special ed teacher for four years. So I learned all of that during my master's program. Um. And I know very little of what they do here at our program right now because of my experience um, with my master's program. But I do know in Colorado we are mandated MTSS and RTI. So we do very little on discrepancy at all. Um, whereas my master's program I learned both RTI and discrepancy. And then I came here and it's strictly MTSS. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Ripley. Uh, so we uh, have done some training on that for the uh, specific learning disabilities where we use the cognitive and the academic. Um, the districts here kind of vary because I actually work in a, a self-contained special ed classroom in a district about um, 45 miles south and their model is different than the one that I'm going to be interning at next year. So the one um, down in Salem, which is where it is, I believe these patterns and strengths and weaknesses, and up here some do RTI, some do patterns and strengths and weaknesses, some still do the, um, oh, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Uh, some use the discrepancies, uh, discrepancy models still. Um, for dyslexia, we haven't got a lot of uh, training, unless that I can remember about it. All right, awesome. Um, our next question, I think, is going to be kind of a, a thumbs up, thumbs down, and then we might ask um, you guys to provide some more elaboration. Um, does your program cover anything about gifted assessment? I know that on my end, um, um, I didn't learn anything about it, really, um, and I've never really been exposed to it anywhere that I've worked, but I do know that some sites do that. So let me see those thumbs. Sorry. Okay, so we've got some mixtures, mostly not, mostly not. So it looks like, Krista, you have learned about gifted assessment. What can you tell us about what your program has been telling you guys? So we have a special preschool through eighth grade that's affiliated with our university for students who are gifted and twice exceptional. Um, and so we do quite a few of their cognitive assessments in our teaching clinic. Okay. Very cool. Um, was there anybody else that had a thumbs up? I didn't think so, right? Okay, so that's maybe something that um, we, we're not maybe covering so much in our programs. Very interesting. Um, so I'm not alone in that. <laughs> All right. Um, Rebecca, did you want to handle our next question? Yeah, and uh, I, we ha I think we have a, uh, actually an um, an interesting thought and question from Aliska. How, uh, we're wondering how many of you guys are in full-time programs. Thumbs up if you're full-time and thumbs down if you're part-time or distance learning or anything like that. Mm -hmm. so most people, and Ripley just scooted out because of his sound, a little sound issue, but he'll be back and we can ask him. That's interesting. Um, all right, so our next question is, um, how is uh, similar to um, the question on how do you find volunteers for practicing the assessments, um, how do you establish your internship uh, placements in your program? Do you get a lot of guidance? Are there, uh, is there a lot of help? Maybe we'll just go down the line here and start with Allie. How, how, is your, how will you establish your internship, Allie? Um, I'm not quite sure because I won't be going on internship next year. Um, I have one more year, but um, I know that the my cohort mates who are going on internship next year have gotten a lot of support. Um, our program director is always sending us email about emails about um, internships and job opportunities that we're not even quite qualified for yet. Some of us, um, so it's just like always looking towards the future and always. Um, I mean, yeah. very supportive. Yeah. Do you have an idea yet if in Missouri uh, paid internships are, are, are standard or normal? They are. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's awesome because in New York and Connecticut, as far as I've ever heard, that is not the norm. 
<laughs> how about Aliska? How is your internship um, placement set up? Um, so we get a lot of guidance from our professors. Um, I feel really lucky with the professors that we do have because it's an open door policy. Um, they probably don't like that anymore because my cohort <laughs> we go by every time. Um, but yeah, we get the same thing as Allie where we get emails from our program director about everything. Um, we have a lot of communication with our community. We actually bring some of our school sites from the community in um, to our school and kind of open that communication of um, what they need and what they want us to do and how they want us to be trained. Um, and then at our state association, um, me and some of our co my cohort members walked around and talked to people there. Um, so we had a lot of communication that way. Um, and same as in Missouri, it's paid internship. Um, so we get time off generally um, if we have to go for an interview or something for internship. Our professors are very lenient and let us go during school time, class time. Um, so all three of us now have an internship lined up for next year um, with the help of our program director and our professors. That's awesome. Did you have to go through a bunch of interviews for that? Was it yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I did two in-person interviews and I did one actually on FaceTime. So cool. that was different. Very cool. Krista, how are your internships set up? Um, very different. So in the Denver metro area, it's very competitive because we'll often have 50 interns going out on one year between University of Denver, University of Colorado Denver, and University of Northern Colorado. So it's highly competitive and there are multiple steps and it's very, it's, you're applying for a job. Um, I do have an internship for next year and it took eight interviews and full applications, letters of recommendation, cover letters, the whole shebang. Um, and it's pretty competitive. So, and especially for doctoral students, because we have to have doctoral supervision. We need to have preferably somebody with a DORA license supervising us. So there's all these added unique pieces that separates us out and leaves us with only a couple options of where to intern. And all of our internships or all of our interns that are going out next year are going to be on paid internships. Um, so that's expected, a paid internship. And then, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we have to compete against two other universities at the same time. So mm -hmm. it leads to a lot of um, pressure. We have a, day, a decision day. So there's a day that the Denver Metro schools are allowed to um, extend offers. And they can't do anything before that for extending offers. They're allowed to interview and go through the whole application process, but no hinting, nothing before that day. So then that day was actually this past Monday. So it's been a stressful couple weeks. Oh, wow. I'm impressed that you're here with us and you're so together. And <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, Krista, in the Denver metro area, are most school psychologists working in schools um, at the doctoral level, do you know, or are you competing also with master's level people that are uh, looking for internship placement? It's all about the supervision. So if they only have one doctoral level supervisor, then there's only be one internship spot. Okay. So it's just how the math works out. And then sometimes a doctoral level supervisor can also they can supervise EDS as well, but an EDS can't supervise me. So it's finding the districts and the placements that would be are able to work with me. Yeah, wow, that's cool. A lot of moving pieces, but it's pretty cool. How about you, Ripley? How are internships established uh, in your area? Well, um, we were told um, not to um, proactively try to get them. So what we did is we had a little mini workshop in our uh, practicum class, and they basically, on a whiteboard, wrote all of the school districts and they're like, okay, go ahead and pick six, um, and we'll go ahead and try to get in contact with them. Actually, no, I think it was four, but then I was like, well, let, let's add more, because sometimes it can take a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. um, we do have another uh, university in our area that we actually are competing with, and what's um, kind of frustrating about that is that they have more information like um, they have a whole spreadsheet that has the school districts what type of model that they use when their um, uh, interview date is and if the internship is paid or not we don't get that information we submit it through for a specific school district and then later we find out 
if it's paid or not. I, I've been told it's about 50% unpaid. unpaid. Wow. Very interesting. Um, Valerie, how about you? How are internships set up in your area? So um, it's interesting to hear from, I'm oh, who's from Denver Public Schools? Okay. So I actually applied to Denver Public Schools as a part for my internship, and I was extended an offer there. And so to hear you say that it's really, really challenging to find an internship out there just struck me as interesting because maybe it's the fact that you're a doctoral student versus I'm an EDS candidate. Um, and it could also be. Um, I know that some. Um, so. Some uh, locations prefer out-of-state candidates um, because they bring in new ideas from new programs and whatnot. So that could be, too, that maybe it's more competitive for those three schools in that area, but anyone outside of that area might kind of have a, li a little bit of a uh, advantage, you know, a strength or that might look good on a resume that you come from out-of-state um, but we do, we have a match date. It's, ma it's March 15th. So on Tuesday, the schools are allowed to contact you ahead of time and tell you that you are offered an internship, but you cannot accept an internship until March 15th. At this time, I have been on five interviews. The only internship offer I have gotten is from Denver Public Schools and my program also allows you to apply to schools out of state. So I applied to a school district in Madison. And Madison, was the entire state of Wisconsin, when you're on your internship, it's your first-year school psych. Um, it's the equivalency to a first-year school psych position. So you have a lot of, you have the ability to get a full salary even though you're technically an intern. In Illinois, you are required to pay your interns unless you are a part of the Chicago Public Schools in which somehow they are exempt from paying their interns. So I will have a paid internship next year, um, whatever happens either. So that's, that's how we do it. Awesome. Yeah, exciting, ex interesting stuff. You you guys, thank you for sharing that. It's fascinating. So I, everyone got to share, right? I'm going to move on to the next question. Yeah. Um, how comfortable are you guys with counseling? Um, Beliska, we'll start with you. Got to unmute first. Um, I'm actually, I feel pretty comfortable with counseling. Um, so as I said before, our practicum in our school, we're required to do multiple things besides assessment. One of those is counseling. We have to complete two counseling cases with a minimum of six weeks of seeing that particular student. Um, so I was able to do an individual counseling case as well as a group counseling case. Uh, the group case having six fourth graders um, working on social skills. Um, and then the individual case uh, was a kindergartner um, who had some trouble with the rule following behaviors and um, transitioning into school. Um, so I feel pretty comfortable with that. In internship, we're also required to complete I believe it's still two cases um, for counseling as well. So we, we cover that pretty pretty heavily. Valerie, how about you? How comfortable are you with counseling? Extremely comfortable. It is one of my very first classes was diagnostic interviewing, and that was our intro to counseling class. We have group and individual processing this semester, uh, this upcoming semester. At my practicum, I teach three levels of social-emotional learning every day. So I teach kindergarten, first grade, fifth, sixth graders, and a high school homeroom class. And I'm also doing an individual um, case study with individual counseling with a kid who, I mean, he's a mess. He's wonderful, but his home life is a mess. Okay, awesome. Krista, what about you? Um, I have quite a few, quite a bit of experience because my graduate assistantship is as a counselor at the post-secondary level. So I currently work with undergrads with emotional disabilities that go to school at DU. So I get a lot of experience through that, but I also know our program has two separate counseling classes, one individual and one group, and that 
everyone is required to do two separate cases, a group, and then also an individual case for over six weeks. Very neat. Um, that must be really fascinating. Uh, Ripley, how comfortable are you with counseling? I think I'm pretty comfortable with it. Our um, The school psychology program is actually at the same place where the clinical mental health, marriage and family counseling um, programs are. We're kind of like a little offshoot. You know, we don't kind of have the whole house. We have the attic, you know. So a lot of the same classes are um, are taught, as, and they're the big bulk of it. So a lot of, like, group therapy, a lot of personal counseling, um, theories of counseling. So I know kind of a lot about that. Awesome. Ellie? Yeah. So I'm off mute, right? Yeah. Um, so in our classes, we're learning um, motivational interviewing. So that's one um, specific um, sort of counseling technique that we're learning. Um, we, but our program actually also has a great relationship with the counseling program. Um, we're both in the College of Education, and we sort of go back and forth and, and take some classes with them, and they take some classes with us. Um, so it's really it's been really important for our program um, to uh, understand sort of like what the school counselors are able to do, what school psychologists are able to do because a lot of times you can walk into a school and they're sort of in their own silos and I think um, we value collaboration a lot and that's really just getting to know what the other side knows. Mm -hmm. All right. Did we hit everyone for that one? I think we did. Yep. Okay. Um, so before we wrap up with kind of our final question, there's a couple um, questions that we've been pondering on the sidebar here. Um, well, first off, let me say that I'm kind of surprised at the, the responses from counseling um, because I felt totally unprepared for counseling. I mean, maybe that's kind of my personality, though, too. Um, I remember interviewing um, for graduate programs, and one of them was the type, they're like, oh, you're going to be so immersed in the counseling, and there's this one-way mirror, and, you know, our professors will be here, and they'll watch you do the counseling. And I was just like... Okay, not coming here. <laughs> you know, um, so my program kind of fo focused a lot on behavior modification and things like that. Um, so I still, even to this day, am not super comfortable with counseling. So it's interesting to hear that everybody is is uh, so prepared for that. I mean, it's great. Um, let's see. We wanted to ask too, um, who is working right now? Um, so thumbs up if you're working while attending school, and thumbs down if you're not. Okay. So most most of us are, are having part time jobs. Anybody um, want to share what they're doing? If you if you want to share, give me a wave. Ripley, I saw you. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> okay, so I, I work in a, a self contained um, classroom, working with kids with uh, severe behaviors and um, high needs kids. Uh, I'm there in middle school uh, about 33 hours a week, and then part time also work as a house cleaner on the side. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, you know, I don't like sleep, basically. <laughs> yeah. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, what else did we want? Oh, um, the NCSP. Um, can I get a, a thumbs up if you're interested in pursuing that, that or a thumbs down if you're kind of like, meh? Okay, everybody um, looks like, um, for the most part, we're interested in that. Um, I myself did get that straight away, and then... Um, the district I was in didn't give you a pay bump or anything for it, so I let it lapse for a period of time until I was um, looking for jobs again and then um, decided that it would be good to have so that I got it back again. So <laughs> yeah, we get, get nothing for it, um, where I am at least, so it's not... It's, a, it's always a requirement of my program. We weren't, even if we had all our credits and finished all our uh, coursework and exams, we could not graduate unless we passed the praxis and got our NCSP. So, in the state of North Carolina, it's actually funny because you can take the praxis and the score you need to get to become certified in the state is the same as the score you need for the NCSP. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's that if that's their ploy to try to get more of us nationally certified mm -hmm. or what it is, but that's what it's like here in North Carolina. There's in where I'm at in some of the districts they will pay you that like the extra stipend for being certified and um, where I'm actually doing my practicum um, they've recently done a switch where they're actually um, prefer to hire candidates who actually have that and they might be switching to just hiring candidates who only have that 
So it kind of depends. Okay. All right. I think um, we've got one kind of final um, question. So if anybody watching um, does have a question for any of our lovely guests, you know, type it into Twitter, type it into Facebook, and we'll try and get you in before we close out. Um, but the final question that um, I think we want everyone um, to comment is, is just like, do you feel prepared for internship? What are your thoughts? Um, you know, some of you are going out next year, some of you later. Um, what, what are you nervous about? What do you feel good about? Um, just let us know. So who, I kind of lost track of who we were going to start with. Anna, you're pretty good at keeping track of that. Do you have a number? Well, I would say start with Valerie, but she came and she just left and came back, so I'm not okay, sure. Okay, so we'll go to Krista then. Krista? Um, I'm really excited for internship. I know my supervisor really well that will be supervising me at my school and so I'm excited to work with her. Um, the one thing I'm the most nervous about is not overworking myself, so not taking too much on right away. Um, I will be working on my dissertation at the same time, so understanding that I have to leave it for because I have something else I have to do, so um, not taking too much home. Very good. All right. Um, let's see. Maybe we'll we'll skip. Let's see. Who was Ripley? Ripley's next. <laughs> Ripley, go for it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I <laughs> I feel comfortable with some parts of it. A lot of the assessments. Um, I feel like I didn't get as much time as I would have liked with it. But I'm just really trying to go in with the mindset that I'm going to learn. I'm really going to try to try my best and learn and admit when I don't know because I think if I pretend that I do, I could cause a lot more damage that way. Very cool. Um, Allie? Yeah, um, I'm actually really excited for internship. Um, this, this last semester, I actually chose to go an extra day um, working with side-by-side -side with the school psychologist. Um, and it's just, I'm excited for it. I think I'm ready for a lot of the different pieces of it. Um, one thing I would be a little nervous about is I plan to be going out of state. Um, so sort of like I'm, I'm getting very familiar with the state guidelines of um, when you qualify students and what you do to do that and um, the processes for that. And then going out of state, I feel like I'm going to have to relearn a lot of that um, stuff. But I'm very excited to, to work in the schools. Yeah, I, I myself went out of state, um, and I, I think that it was kind of good exposure because those of you that ended up staying in, in your state, I mean, th that's good, um, but it's good to know just how different things are uh, across the board, um, that things are run for sure differently. I, I think we had a lot of different uh, responses for LD. Um, that's one of the things that really varies. And so sometimes you get a transfer in from out of state and they'll be DD and they'll be nine years old and your state cuts it off at five years old and you're like, what's going on? So it's good to have that other perspective that yeah, things work differently in different, um, different areas. Um, Aliska, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on going out on internship and what you're prepared or not prepared for. Um, I feel very excited, but also extremely nervous. Um, I feel like my program is preparing me very well with um, the way we set up our practicum and the way that my practicum supervisor set it up for me. Um, I led a lot of IEP meetings myself, um, did a lot of things myself, like obviously kind of like scaffolding uh, through as I went on. Um, but the internship site that I selected is very different. Um, than what I've experienced so far. I purposely picked a, an internship site where I would learn the most with a very diverse population that I've never worked with before. Um, and it's also a district where they're in the process of rebuilding the relationship between um, school faculty and the school psychs because there, has been, there have been some bumps in the road in the past. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting, nervous, but excited because I know my supervisor is very well trained, very well liked. She's very high up in our state association as well. Um, so I know she's very knowledgeable and she'll have my back uh, throughout the process. All right. Um, did we hit everybody? I think we lost uh, Valerie. Yeah. Yeah, we got everybody else. You're good. All right. So we do have one question from the audience. Eric is wondering, for those of you that are in a non-NASP approved program, does that affect the NCSP? Do you, do you know? Ripley, go ahead. 
So it's um, a much longer um, application process, about 35 pages. You have to include uh, samples of your work basically stating that you've met each one of the standards and the cost is a lot more. I think it's like 130 compared to like 60 if you're in an ASP approved program. Hmm. Do, do you feel like the NCSP is more valuable to you because you're not in an ASP approved program? Does it make a difference? I think so because we having that title kind of on there I think for a lot of people makes it like oh okay they went through the standard without having that even though you you know have that title I think it it kind of helps boost your um, I don't know hireability sure yeah that's interesting Hi. Um, all right I don't think we have any more questions um, but I wanted to thank everybody for joining us um, I know that again you're you're all very busy and probably very stressed out and drinking lots of coffee and staying up late and all oh, that yeah. stuff. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Um, let's see. We are going to have another podcast coming up for um, anybody who wants to tune in, and that would be. Um, let's see. I'm going to look at my calendar. On the twentieth, in two right. weeks, the third Sunday of the month, and. I'm I'm pretty sure that's our least Dr. Lisa Demore episode, right, Rachel? Um, or social thinking. Or social thinking. Oh boy, I forget. We have some really awesome guests lined up for the coming weeks, so stay tuned. It will definitely post and let you guys know. But we have some um really cool things coming up. Thank you guys for being awesome guests. You guys rock. Yeah. <laughs> And we totally um, would like to, if we're able to track you guys down again, maybe when you're out on internship, um, bring some of you guys back to talk about just how uh, that experience has, has changed and what you think about your program um, following or in the midst of internship and how, how you think things are going. So we like to kind of keep in touch if that works. <laughs> Absolutely. And one last mention. Some of you guys are familiar with our Google Drive, our resource drive. Um, if you're not, please check it out. And as you are discovering new things and, and finding uh, resources that are helpful to you, please add them and we can all benefit from all the wonderful things that you're learning and we can all uh, help each other out. Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.